We're continuing a series that, uh, actually we're starting a, a little one-off message between series today. We've been in a series that we've been talking about. Here's my rope. I knew it was coming. There it is. Those of you who've been with us know we've been in a series we've been calling Epilogue and we've been talking about the reality that everywhere we go, we've, we've got a timeline that we carry around. This timeline uh, it has two parts to it really. There's what we're calling the red tape is this time on earth and then the yellow is the forever timeline the rest of our eternity uh, we, we don't actually die we live forever so we've been focusing for the last three or four weeks really since Easter on on the yellow part and preparing for that moment that we make that transition from this part to that well I want to shift gears now uh, today and starting next Sunday uh, to focus on this part for a while I want to talk a little bit about uh, the red tape area. I want to talk about that area where we're living here and now. And here's what Jesus said about the red part. It's on the screens. You can go to the Bridge NC app and follow along if you want to. Maybe you brought a Bible. John chapter 10, verse 10, New King James Version says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, thieves don't come to do anything other than to steal stuff, kill stuff, destroy stuff. That's the only reason they come. I have come, he said, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Other translations say they might have it more to the full or life to the fullness, more fulfilled. And so Jesus doesn't just want you with him forever. Jesus wants you to live a fulfilled life here and now. He wants to bless your life here and now. He wants you to have meaning and purpose and, and fulfillment. And that's why I'm pumped about the new series that we're starting next week that we're calling The Shepherd, Parables for Life from the, from the 23rd Psalm. And what we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks is Psalm 23 that probably, uh, arguably at least, is the most famous poem of all history, maybe the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm of the two biggies that a lot of people can quote. But what you may or may not know is that it actually breaks down into six parts uh, that are the six elements or facets of doing life on earth. And he walks us through each of those facets in that psalm and specifically talks about the shepherd's role in each of those phases or stages of life. And so I believe if you'll come and be a part of this for the next six weeks or so, uh, you'll, you'll learn some nuances from Psalm 23. But far more importantly, I believe you'll understand how the shepherd uh, wants to help you have that fulfilling life that he promised. Of course, next week's Mother's Day too, and we'll be celebrating with our moms. I hope you'll come be a part of our, our Mother's Day services. Before we get into that, I want to take just a minute to talk about the church's role in getting us that abundant life, that fulfilled life. I want to talk a little bit about why we bother to come out here on a Sunday morning or why we get into relationship with one another in this thing called the church, because I think that's a critical piece of this that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. Okay, everybody tracking with me? We're talking about the red tape portion now. Next six weeks, we'll be talking about how we live out the various aspects of that. But today, I want to talk about the role of the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, 19, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now put John 10, 10 and Matthew 16 together and what do you get? Jesus came to give us this abundant, fulfilling life and he gave the keys to that life to the church. That's, that's what he's saying. 
And so understand that those two things go intricately together. We live in a world, quite frankly, where you can get into a conversation with people about God. You can even talk to them about Jesus, and you'll have a wonderful conversation. But the minute you bring up church, they immediately go, no, don't make me go there. Those are mean people. Or I had a bad experience in church one time. Or or, those are judgmental people. They got all kinds of things that people say about the church. And, and quite frankly, let's just get specific about this thing. The reality is that when I was growing up, I'm going to show my age. But when I was growing up, 50% of Americans were in a church on a given Sunday morning. Today, people that research that say it's more like 18%. People just don't go to church like they used to. They'll tell you, you know, I'm a Christian. People who come to church once or twice a month say, oh, yeah, I go to church all the time. But the idea of when I was growing up again, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, two revivals a year, three committees, those days have slipped, and maybe some of them should have, but, uh, but I don't want us to lose the essence of what the church and the role of the church is in our lives in the process. So here's what I want to do in the few minutes we've got. I, I want to I show you uh, as quickly, just very quickly, I want to show you what any psychologist, any psychiatrist, any Christian counselor will tell you are the four basic needs of humanity. Every human being needs these four things. Now, I said need. You understand the difference between a need and a want? Do, do you understand the difference? I, I need air to breathe. I want Bojangles for lunch. Okay, I, I'm probably not going to get to Bojangles today. I'll be fine. I'll probably be better off. <laughs> but I better get some air. In other words, I'm going to get some air somewhere. Whatever I have to do to get it, I'm going to get some air because I need air, not just want air. You got me? These are four needs that every human being has. And then I want to show you how God designed the church specifically to meet those needs. And that's where it gets exciting for me. So let's walk through it. Needs very quickly. And then I want to talk about the mission of the church. Number one, we all need support. We all need support. The problem is that the world is changing. Anybody say amen? The, the old support systems are going away. And, and, and in the last century, 85% of people lived in the country or in small towns, uh, or they lived in small towns that became big towns. And now it's switched. And 85% of people live in cities and only 15% live in the country. And then the problem is that in that switch, we left the traditional support systems. When I was growing up, if I did something wrong, mom and daddy knew it before I got home. In fact, I got whooped by three neighbors before before I got home. You wait till your mom and daddy get you home. Boy, they're going to get your butt. You know, oh, don't tell them. Well, they've already told them. They've already called them. In fact, we were on a party line and three people were listening when they told them. Those days are gone. And, and as, as painful as we love to joke about that kind of stuff, the reality is there was a support in that that has slipped away in the process, in the former setting, families, extended generations of families were close to each other. Uh, church was the place where you went for your social gatherings. I mean, that was just the reality of it. Now, mobility, families in other states, even if the family's in the area, the family dynamics have changed. I heard a preacher I shared a funeral some time ago, and, and the other pastor got up, and, and, and he said, you know, I normally start a funeral by kind of describing the family tree, but this family doesn't have a family tree. They got family shrubbery. <laughs> 
There's just so many branches and so many uh, steps. And I read recently that 64% of children under 18 will live in a step-parent environment at some point in their lives. That's the reality of our day. Not here to judge anybody, uh, just a simple reality of our lives. And what we have to accept are the support systems that we've depended on have gone away. Let's be honest. The Ozzie and Harriet TV family is so has gone so far that most of you don't even know who Ozzie and Harriet were. Yet God said from the very beginning of the creation of man, Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. Jesus said the same thing. Here's how he said it. He actually said it in a prayer in John 17. I pray also for those who will believe in me that all, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you. He knew we needed more than just a vertical relationship with God. We needed horizontal relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Bottom line, we need each other. I got two, three, four amens. That's pretty good over here. Can, 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 can you say it with me? We need each other. One more time. We need each other. Now, I want to stretch your comfort zone. I want you to look around and find a face you can't put a name with. Don't look at me. My name's Jim. You know me. <laughs> face you can't put a name with. Lock eyes and say, we need each other. The second basic human need is significance. We all need a sense of significance. We need a sense that our life counts for something. We're not just taking up space, you know, going to work, paying the bills, retiring, and dying. I told you last week that the average American lifespan right now is 79.8 years. I read this week that that kind of breaks out into 26 years uh, of sleeping 23 years of working, 11 years of traveling, typically back and forth to work and other places, six years of playing and six years of eating, more or less for some of you. Uh, and I reckon the rest of it's in yard work. I don't know. It's, particularly if you have wisteria vines. Anybody here have wisteria vines? I, I got this beautiful, the whole surrounding of our property is filled with wisteria vines, which are absolutely gorgeous for about 15 minutes a year. And the rest of the time, they kill everything I got. They crawl everywhere. I went online trying to find out how to kill wisteria vines, and I, I finally found a website that says they know how to kill it. Here's what you do. You spray it with Roundup. You cut it back. You dig up the roots, and the next year, you spray it with Roundup, and you cut it back, and you dig up the roots. And the next year, you spray it with Roundup, and you cut it back, and you dig up the roots, and maybe your grandchildren will get rid of that wisteria vine. Yeah, that's a lot more than six years for me. Is that what life's about? So tell, tell me that life is, is about more than that. Stuff. We all need a sense of purpose in our activities. In fact, there's a really, really good book out uh, on midlife crises. The author apparently was very successful, one of the most successful of his generation. Um, and, and, but when he reached middle age, he started looking around and decided that nothing he'd invested his life in was worth uh, anything just didn't matter. He decided that life was kind of hollow and empty. And he wrote this book. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the name of it's Ecclesiastes. Have you you heard of that? Ecclesiastes two eleven. I looked at what I'd done. I thought about all the hard work. Suddenly I realized it was what 
useless like chasing the wind. The great tragedy of humanity is millions of people, multiplied millions of people over the years who have given first-class allegiance to second-class causes. Think about the people who have given their lives to things like Nazism and communism and, and socialism, people who did things they never thought they'd do in the name of those causes that ultimately betrayed them. And of course, if you're thinking, well, of course it failed them because the, the, the true way is capitalism. And I tend to be more of a capitalist than any of those others for sure. But I know an awful lot of Americans that have dedicated themselves to capitalism and have landed the same place that Solomon did. There's got to be more to life than success. Somewhere along the way, I've got to have a sense of significance and that transcends how much money I've got in the bank or how many buildings and lands that I own. Third need that we all have is a need for stability. Stability. Alvin Toffler wrote a book called Future Shock, and he says, everyone needs islands of security in a rapidly changing society, things that don't change, principles that stay the same, something you can rely on. When a storm comes, you need a pole you can hold on to that won't be uprooted in the winds. Got me? Here's the problem. George Barna, who researches this stuff, says that 74% of Americans no longer believe that absolute truth exists. Scarier still, he said 53% of Christians surveyed are not sure that absolute truth exists. James told us why that was going to be a problem a long time ago. In James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, a doubtful mind will be as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind, and every decision you then make will be uncertain. You, you, you can't make decisions in life on on the shifting sands of opinion and views when the storms come, you got nothing to hold on to. So, so where do you go for something that's dependable with the, with the sands of time and the shifting of time that's going on in our world? Some people say, well, I just, I look within. You know, trust your heart. You can trust your heart. Listen to what your heart says. Well, you know, I've always believed or, or, or my idea of God is... Uh, does, does that, if you get to define God, does that make you God? And, and if you're God, I got some needs I'd love to talk to you about, see if you can do something about them for me. So, so that one doesn't work, does it? Well, other people go externally. So, well, let's see what the, what the, the culture around me say. What do people say? Well, people say this. Well, what people say constantly changes. Can I get an amen? So you got to go to something that is not just Within or without, you've got to go to something that's eternal, that lasts through time, that passes the test of time. You may not always like what God says, but you always know what God says, and you always know that he has your best interest in mind, and he never changes. We all need support. We all need significance. We all need stability, and we all need to serve we all need to serve. Again, ask any psychologist, a psychiatrist, counselor. They will tell you that's, those are the four basic human needs for every person. And, and the reality is God made every one of us unique with gifts and talents and abilities. Uh, but it's important to understand he did that for a reason. And it wasn't just to, so you'd have something to consume 
and succeed with. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to what? To make a lot of money. To type really fast. To be a really good engineer. Stop me when I get to the right answer. To what? To help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. The fact is God created us not only with abilities to do amazing things, but he created us with the need to serve others, to get beyond ourselves. You know why they call the Dead Sea the Dead Sea, right? Because it's dead. There are no fish. There are no plant life. There's nothing in the Dead Sea living. And you know why? Because everything flows into the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out. That's what happens Ultimately, and we all know that. We all know that we need something beyond ourselves and some place of service beyond ourselves because every one of us, every one of us in this room and watching online, we've all been in that place where we come from home from, from work stressed out and frustrated. And I read recently that 40% of people are bored with their jobs. I don't know if that's true. I won't make you raise your hands and do a poll here, but that, that's what it said. But we've all been to that place where we start saying, man, I just, oh, I just need a vacation. Uh, by the way, uh, July is National Boredom Month, so hang on, go somewhere in July, be good. The problem is uh, that we come home from vacation exhausted and broke. So we got to go to that boring job to make some more money and get some rest to just start the cycle over again. There's got to be more. Somebody tell me there's more. There is to begin to serve beyond ourselves, not just consume what we produce, but actually help some other people in the process. The bottom line, if you're going to find a fulfilling life, you're going to need support. You're going to need significance. You're going to need stability. You're going to need to serve. The question comes, where are you going to get that stuff? Where do you get that stuff? Think about it for a minute. Think about support, stability, significance, place to serve that's meaningful and helps others. Where do you get that stuff? I mean, there's lots of different places where you can get opportunities to serve others. There's places where you can go and, and get maybe uh, some significance from that. There are places you can go to get some support. There's lots of those kind of places. But is there one place anywhere that you can go and get all four of those things? Is there a place anywhere on the planet that God designed to get all four of your human basic needs met? Anybody have a clue what I might be talking about right now? I've given my whole life to building this thing. It's, it's, give you some more clues. There's only one organism on the planet that meets all four of the basic human needs. That's the church that Jesus said even the gates of hell cannot prevail against. So let's shift. It's, I get excited at this point, so forgive me. But uh, uh, let's get real nuts and bolts practical, okay? The mission of the church matches our human needs. Let me say that again. The mission of the church matches our human needs. Jesus came to give us life, that life abundant, fulfilling. Uh, he wants us to have that. And he gave the church the keys to help us find that until he comes back for us. And we, can, we start that yellow timeline that goes on forever and forever. But he designed the church to help us get to that 
place. I don't know if you ever see it or not. It's back there behind that, the, the camera there and there's other places around the room. Uh, we call it the mission statement of the church. It's the four key words that define us as a church. Some of you perhaps know what they are. Let me tell you what they are in case you don't know. They are belong. Got it? They are commit. They are serve or grow and they're serve. Belong, commit, grow, serve. Say it with me. Belong, commit, grow, serve. One more time. Belong, commit, grow, serve. Those, that's the mission of the church. But quite honestly, guys, that's your mission as a follower of Christ too. To belong, to commit, to grow, and ultimately to serve. So let's just walk through it again quickly. And let's see how those things line up side by side. In order to meet our need for support, we need a place to belong. We talk about church. We talk about going to church. We talk about a church building. We talk about church meetings. We talk about certain doctrines that defines this church or that church. But when Jesus said, I will build my church, that word is ecclesia, uh, and he wasn't talking about buildings or meetings. What was he talking about? Some of you know. He was talking about people. He was talking about the assembly. He was talking about the called out ones. He was talking about the family of God. He was talking about the body of Christ, which is why Paul wrote to the church at Rome in 15.7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's why when you walk through our doors, you see the sign that says where you can belong before you believe. Does that matter? Doesn't matter what you believe? Of course not. Your beliefs determine your behaviors. Of course it matters. But we all need a sense of belonging. We all need a place where we can be accepted. And the scriptures say that we are to accept one another the same way that Jesus accepted us. How did Jesus accept us? Just the way we were. We have to clean up our act frame to say, okay, finally you're good enough. He just said, welcome. Welcome home. Welcome into the family of God. Now let's start this journey of moving and growing. And people who get this, I see it all the time. People who get this, uh, who understand this, you can see it in the way they live their lives. I love uh, to talk to people, and I do it on a fairly regular basis, uh, people in military who are trans transferring into this area or pe business people who are moving into this area or they're moving to the area for whatever reason, and, and, and they understand that there are three things they have to look for almost as soon as they move, right? You know what they are? You, you know what they are, right? They're going to find a place to live. They're going to find the schools their kids are going to go to, and then they're going to find a church they're going to be a part of. The ones who get this reverse that order. And I've seen it happen many times where they will actually go scouting churches before they ever get here. We get emails from people out of state who say, I am moving in July, I am moving next year, and I'm checking out churches in the area. They understand that this journey begins with defining who your spiritual family is going to be, and then you start checking on the schools in the area to make sure the schools are something that your kids can, can operate with and, and, and flourish in, and then you start looking for a home. You say they understand the importance of those things and the order of those things. Now, here's the challenge. The challenge is that a lot of people, again, I mentioned it before, a lot of people, they'll come on Sunday morning. I mean, the biggest crowd in any church in the country is on Sunday morning, and after that, it kind of drifts off. Uh, when Kim and I first started pastoring, we had 65 in our Sunday morning service, we had 60 in our Sunday night service, and we had 55 in our Wednesday night service, and the Wednesday night people were mad at the 10 who didn't show up. I mean, that's just kind of the way it was. That ain't the way it is anymore. That's not reality 
anymore. But hear me, guys, you cannot build healthy relationships in the lobby or sitting in these seats for a few minutes before the service starts and a few minutes after you leave. It's not possible. And it's not just because we're kind of big church. It's because it's not possible no matter what size church you're in. Relationships take more effort than that. In fact, I need to warn you that our new, as exciting and dynamic as this place is, and as obvious it is that God is moving among us, you will drift away in time unless you begin to build meaningful relationships beyond the Sunday morning services. You don't invest the effort to build healthy relationships. You'll go somewhere else to try to find them because did I mention that that support is a need, not a want? You, You know that's why a lot of people join gangs and end up doing horrible things? Because they need to belong somewhere and if they can't find a healthy place to belong, they'll go look for an unhealthy one. It's a reality. It's a need. So around here, for us, That's primarily bridge groups. And May is the registration month for the semester. We have three semesters a year. Semester starts in June. Uh, And I hope that you will go online. I would challenge you to go online. If you're not in a bridge group uh, yet, go online. Find out the groups. There's a whole catalog there. Pick the group that works best for you, the night that works best for you, and get into a group and begin to build these relationships that go on to a whole other level. You can go to the website. Go to the Bridge NC app. Registration is underway. I hope you'll plan to be a part of that even this semester. To meet our need of support, we need a place to belong. Second, to meet our need of significance, we need a commitment worth making. Talk to anybody who says, my life has meaning and significance. Talk to any fulfilled person and they will tell you that fulfillment has come when they made a commitment to a mission that mattered They began to commit themselves to something that was bigger than they were. And it is in fulfilling that mission that they got a sense of significance in their lives. That's why the second key word in our mission is commit. Yes, first it's belong because at the end of the day, it's about relationship with God and his family. But then it's commit, step in and get more involved. Can I just be real personal with you for a second? I don't apologize for a minute to suggest to you that it may well be that the most spiritually significant thing you do in your entire red tape life is to commit to be a part of what God is doing at the bridge. I don't apologize for that because that's what Kim and I have done. We actually moved to Goldsboro. I intended to retire and we started attending here. And I immediately knew I want to be a part of this at whatever level they'll let me. I had no idea Pastor Farrell was going to feel God's call to move on. And they would ask me to become the pastor, which is one of the honors of my life. I just wanted to be involved, engaged. And so we took the ownership class almost immediately after getting here because we wanted to be a part of what God is doing here. And I would challenge you. To do the same. So the ownership class, the next one's May 16th, sign up. You go to the app, you can text ownership. What's the number? I can't remember the number. Anybody know the number? Well, what? Five, five. I knew you knew it. I just knew you knew it. Five, five, four, nine, eight. Text ownership or right now. Take out your phone and then put it away. Don't be texting other people. But to meet our need of support, we need to belong. For us, that's bridge groups. 
significance, you need to commit, take ownership, make a commitment to this place. Don't just kind of come and go and consume, but get involved. Stability is the third need that we all have, not want, but need. And, and, and so to ha- meet your need of stability, you need truth to build on. You need truth that doesn't move with the winds of time. You need one plus one equals two, no matter what century you're in. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said the same thing. And he makes it clear that the key has the, the church has the key to help. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, 14. This work must continue until we're all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Then we will no longer be babies. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. Remember James that we read a minute ago? Indecision leads to being blown away. So around here, there are two primary forums for learning the truth, to growing to maturity. For us, our Sunday morning messages, we work hard to make them practical, that we're actually answering questions that life has you asking. And, 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 and you know, my pet peeve is to hear a sermon where the preacher says, you ought to do this, but he doesn't tell me how to do it. So YBH, you know, yes, but how? How do I do that? How do I become a better father? How do I become a better Christian? How do I <clears throat> find these needs met in my life? How to? And then our growth track is the newest thing that we've developed, launched in January. It's a three-year curriculum that kind of walks you through this journey all the way from the beginning of your faith in Christ, all the way to some deeper levels of understanding of Scripture. Three years together, it's, it's, it's part of our bridge group process and and so I'm going to ask you sincerely on May 12, Wednesday night, May 12, to give me an hour of your time and come learn about the growth track. <clears throat> There's no way that I can go in detail on Sunday morning and unpack the whole growth track for you, what that looks like and what's involved. So I'm going to ask you to, to jump in and become a part of that. We, right out of the box, had 60, 70 people sign up for growth track, jumped in right away, second semester is coming, but, but I want 600 people in the growth track. I want us all fully engaged. And so plan right now. You can register right now online. Go to the app. Register for, for Growth Track Gathering on May 12. We're going to be meeting in the Bridge Kids Auditorium. But frankly, I hope we outgrow it and we have to move in here. We're, we're going to worship together. And then I'm going to share vision for the Growth Track and where we're going from here. Plan right now. Let me know you're going to be here on May 12. We will have child care uh, for preschoolers, birth through age uh, Age five. Age five? Age five. The road to abundant life then requires meeting these basic needs, and the church has been given the keys to do it. For support, we need to belong. That's bridge groups. For significance, we need to commit. That's the ownership class. For stability, we need to grow. That's the growth track. And then finally, and I'll bring this thing home, to meet our need to serve, we need a function that makes a difference. We need a a niche that makes a difference difference. Hear me, the church is here to help you mature, but maturity is not an end in itself. I know an awful lot of people that know an awful lot about scripture, but they've missed the point that at the end of the day, it's not just about knowing stuff, it's about being somebody. And so God wants you to grow up to become a productive part of the body of Christ. And when you serve, you grow even more. In fact, it is in serving that you grow. The best Students I know are teachers who are trying to stay a half a step ahead of their students, right? 
Every teacher in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. You dig in deeper because somebody's going to be asking you questions. You want to be able to answer. And so ultimately it becomes a thing of service. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. Just as each of us has a body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Hear me. The Bible teaches that self-esteem comes from service. Self-esteem comes from service. Say it with me. Self-esteem comes from service and specifically serving in an area that God designed for you from the very beginning while you were in your mother's womb and a different way that makes a difference in other people's lives, which is why there are no nominating committees around here. You don't have to pass votes to get involved on a serve team. You, you can go to test drive and say, hey, I want to know what my options are, and they'll show you some options of serve teams that are available, and then they'll let you shadow those people for a while and see if it's a fit for you on any given Sunday morning. I see people with, with these... Uh, 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 these T-shirts on, test drive T-shirts on, and they're kind of processing through, and I know they're looking for the serve team where they're going to serve. Let me, let me ask you this question, move on. How many of you would feel cheated uh, if I decided not to use the gifts that God gave me anymore? Just this afternoon, I'm not doing it anymore. A anybody feel like you'd be cheated? Guess what? I'm cheated if you don't use the gifts that God gave you. We're all in this together. The question is, what are you doing with the gifts that God gave you? Around here, every member is a minister and every ministry is important and every member depends on every other member because that's the only way that we meet the needs around us and get our own needs met first. And dare I throw in one more thing and that is the greatest need in the body of Christ right now in the bridge, in the church across America is for spiritual mom and daddies to take on the mantle of parenting young Christians. It is the number one need. And when I say young Christians, I'm not talking about chronologically young. I'm talking about young in the faith. You might be younger than somebody that you're parenting chronologically but you're further along in the faith than they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For though you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Through the good news, I became your father in Christ Jesus. So I beg you, please follow my example. Paul's not just saying, watch me and do what I do. He's saying, I've accepted the mantle of fatherhood, of parenthood. Now you do the same. He's writing to the church at Corinth that was in a mess. I mean, the church was filled with sin. And he said, you've got thousands of people that are willing to tell you what to do, teach you information, but what you need are some mamas and daddies that will come alongside and, and support you when you're, when you're doing well and challenge you when you're not and encourage you when you're discouraged. You need some mamas and daddies. Every one of us had somebody along the way that helped us or we wouldn't be where we are doing what we're doing. It's our turn. It's our turn. And so again, on May 12, I hope you'll come because we're going to be talking about not just understanding the growth track, but understanding what it would take to be a spiritual parent in the growth track process. I hope you'll come be a part of that on May 12th. Register, let us know you're coming. If you've got little kids, we'll be glad to take care of them for you. I've got to close, I've got to close. So what are our deepest needs? 
Do you, do you remember what they are? Support, significance, stability, service. Got it? Where do you go to meet those needs? The church. I guess the only question is, are you part of the church? I didn't ask you if you're sitting in the room or you're watching online. I didn't ask you if you attend services. I said, are you part of the church? O.J. Bryson wrote a book called Networking the Kingdom, and he tells a story from his childhood. His parents told him they were a very poor family, didn't have a lot of money, and his dad told him one day the circus was coming to town and they were going to go see it, and he was so excited because they never had the money to do any of those kinds of things. And so they got all dressed up and they went downtown and they lined the streets where hundreds of people were lining the streets, and they watched as the as the the clowns start coming down the street and the elephants started coming down the street and then cages on wagons with lions and tigers came, coming down the street and acrobats on flatbeds were doing their little tricks as they came down the street. He said, most exciting day of my childhood is the day I went to the circus. It was only as an adult many years later that the circus came to town and I had kids of my own and I said, guys, we're going to get tickets and we're going to go to the circus. And they bought tickets. And they went to the circus and it was a huge tent and all this activity was going on in the middle of the tent. And he said, it dawned on me for the first time. I didn't go to the circus when I was a kid. I just saw the parade. I missed out on all of this because I didn't come in and become a part. Hear me, guys. What we do on Sunday morning can be powerful. It can be life-changing. We see people coming to Christ all the time. We see people growing up in Christ all the time. We see healings take place when we pray for people in these altars all the time. God does amazing things in this house all the time. But this is not the church. This is the parade. Church is the relationships. I'm begging you, for your sake, in the meeting of your basic needs, go beyond this place. Get involved. Be a part. What are the commitments to belong? Start building relationships. Bridge Group's the best place I know to do that. To commit, take the ownership class and become an owner here. Not just an attender, a consumer, but an owner. To meet your need, to grow, come to the growth track class on May 12th, that gathering that night. To serve, test drive, get involved, find a serve team that fits for you. And when you do those things, when you make those commitments, I believe you can say with the same confidence the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, we can confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. That's what I want for you so bad I can taste it. Come on, let's go on that journey together. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I won't keep you long, but the first commitment, of course, is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. So if you haven't made that first commitment, can I beg you to start there now? 
not just I'm interested in Christianity, not just I'm willing to attend a Christian church, but I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make him my shepherd, my savior. Pray a simple prayer. Let it come from your heart. Let it be in your own words. But thank you, Jesus, for loving me first. Help me to love you back. Forgive me for not doing this sooner. Forgive my sin. Give me a fresh start today. I will follow you in Jesus' name. And then for all of us as we lean into these commitments, help us, Lord, to take full advantage of what you've provided for us to meet our needs, becoming a part of the church, the body of Christ. In Jesus' name.